I check the headlines of all the uh, major like uh, national news organizations, our own local newspapers and, and stuff. Quite a mixture, actually, of good news, some positive things, obviously also some bad news. So um, we are starting, though, a series today. For three weeks, we are going to look at nothing but good news. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, so we're going to look at good news for three weeks. Now, news, right, by definition, is newly received or noteworthy information. Um, so I actually want to start off uh, this morning with some news, some noteworthy or new information for you guys. Um, at K2 here, um, we actually, every seven years, if you've actually been on staff for seven years, we give uh, those people an opportunity to t take a sabbatical. Do you guys know what sabbaticals are? All right. So, um, so actually, we are existence. K2's been in existence now for 14 years. So that's pretty cool. We've been going for 14 years. Seven years ago, um, I got to take my first sabbatical. And, um, and so this is my 14th year. And so I just wanted to let you guys know this summer is my opportunity to take that sabbatical again. And, um, and, and so what, how do we do that? So for us, the way we look at sabbaticals, we try to do three things. First of all, we try to dive really deep into our own heart. Like I'm going to take some significant time uh, because with this job, right, if my heart isn't in a good place, if this isn't connecting in fullness, then that affects everything that goes on out here. So I, I would, I'd love to ask you guys to pray for me because I'm going to spend that time diving deep into my own personal relationship with God and just my own heart and soul. I, I will say this. I'm actually pretty excited because sometimes people could go into sabbatical and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just exhausted. I need a break. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I feel like I'm going into sabbatical like this. So I'm actually juiced right now. And so I'm pretty excited to be able to go and to say, okay, God, what do you want to do here? But the other thing we try to do on a sabbatical is actually do some professional development as well. Basically, to get out of the daily grind and pull out and be able to sharpen your saw, right? We all know what that is. If, if you've been using something for a long time and you actually never pull it out and sharpen it, you don't even realize how more effective it could be if you took some time to do that. So, so that's going to be the sabbatical. Um, it's, it, uh, we do them for 10 weeks, so I'll actually be um, out until the last week of July. And, um, and I just want to say uh, thank you to the church for allowing me to do that. It was funny. Last time I did this, seven years ago, I came back and people were like, you need to go away more often. <laughs> now, now, I don't know if that was a good thing, but basically what they were saying was, Man, whatever, whatever you did during that 10 weeks, you've come back with a new, fresh vision, a fresh heart, and, you, and we're just so grateful that you did that. So I, I'd love to ask you, would you guys pray for me? I, I would love to ask you, if I come to your mind in the next couple months, to really pray for me and just ask God to do that, to, to sharpen my own saw, freshen the spirit so I can come back and be ready just to kill it uh, coming in August, all right? And I'm, I'm so excited, too, because we have such a great team. Um, we got some great series coming up in the summer. You know, Derek and Mike will be hitting it. we got some guest speakers who are coming in. And uh, I, I, I have absolute full confidence our Sundays are going to be fantastic. And so, so thanks. So that's some of the news I wanted to share with you that's going on. And by the way, um, if you guys are plugged in here at all at K2, if you are connected into a Life Together group, if you are on a serving team at all, or if you financially are engaged with the church, um, we are sending you emails, okay? And one of the emails that you guys get is a podcast. We're actually doing podcasts regularly to cast vision to you guys to let you know what's going on. That podcast went out today. So I just want to encourage you to listen to that. A lot of the information you're hearing now is on that. But if you get your email and you see something from K2 and it says Vision Podcast, please click on that 
it'll, it'll, we're taking some serious time to let you know what the most important things that are happening here as a church. All right? Okay. Well, let's dive into some good news. Isaiah 52, 7 says this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Right? I mean, we love people who bring good news. When I think of good news, the first, always the first thing that hits me is uh, Susie and I, our first two kids, Mariah and Ashlyn are girls, right? And we pretty much knew that we were going to have three kids. And so when it came time for the third one, we really did want a boy. And so we go to the hospital and we do the ultrasound. And sure enough, they tell us, you're going to have a boy. And I'm telling you, man, when we walked out those doors, it was hilarious. We were walking through the hospital and every person we passed looked at us and started smiling. Every person. Why? Because, man, we just got good news. <laughs> we love it when people give us good news. Last year, I had some test results that came back, and they were not good. Those were not good news. <laughs> so then I had to go in for some more serious tests. And one of the greatest things is to get that call from the doctor and says, hey, I just want to let you know there's no sign of cancer. Right? When somebody tells you there's no sign of cancer, beautiful are his feet. Right? <laughs> because he's bringing you good news. So that's it. But he goes on to say, what we're looking at here is how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Your God reigns. Your God is actually far above everything else. And what he's saying is, and because your God reigns, then I get to proclaim peace. Anybody in here want some peace? I mean, I, I tell you, here's what's crazy. Go home today and turn on and, and, and flick up one of the websites, the news websites, and all you'll see is a need for peace everywhere. And then, so then, after Jesus Christ comes... And, and, and he, he, he lives on this earth, he, he dies on the cross, he resurrects, and then right after that, Peter says this. He says, you know the message that God sent to the people? So God has a message? There he is, he's going to proclaim some good news, and it says this. Announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So there it is. Jesus Christ is actually Lord of all. And when Jesus Christ is actually Lord, guess what? It's a good news. It's the gospel of peace. This is what he brings. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 15, so here, here's what it says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. <laughs> See, here's the deal, you guys. God has good news for the world. God has good news for you and for me. For every single person. But he's saying, it's like, but how will people ever take advantage of the good news if they don't ever hear about it? <laughs> how can they actually believe if they don't hear? And how will they ever hear the good news unless somebody actually tells them? And so how will anybody tell them unless they're sent? So 
Why are we doing this three-week series? Because here's what I want to tell you. For all of you guys who are Christians in here, um, you are actually sent. Here's what Jesus says in John 20, 21. He says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. There it is again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Here's the crazy thing. God's whole plan to let the world know that there's good news and that there's the opportunity for peace. God's whole plan to do that is through you and through me. He needs people who will be messengers. He needs people who have beautiful feet, who like to share with other people good news. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a quote out there, and it's a very popular quote. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever heard this one? Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Okay, how many of you have ever heard that one? Okay, here's what I know. If you're a Christian, right, you like that. And here's why. There's a couple reasons we like that. First of all, this is like, because what this verse is saying is, if you're going to preach the gospel, then do it with your life. Okay? Don't be some jerk out there going, everybody needs to be saved. Right? That, that, that's really effective. He's saying what you should be doing is actually living a life of good news. And so preach the gospel with your life at all times. But then he says this, if necessary, use words. I think why we like this one is we go, oh my gosh, I don't have to use words. <laughs> you should even laugh harder. More, more of you should laugh about that. No, but seriously, because as Christians, when it comes time to thinking about telling people about the good news, and by the word, in, in, the, in the New Testament, good news means gospel, right? And we think, oh my gosh, I don't want to tell my neighbors. I don't want to tell my friends. I don't want to tell my coworkers. I like this, just do it with my life thing. <laughs> but what's interesting, he says, but when, if it's necessary, then use words. Now, let me just ask you, why don't we like to share? Isn't that crazy? We have good news, but we don't actually want to share good news. Why is that? Well, it's obvious, I think. Number one, you guys all know this, because we, we feel like you're going to get rejected, right? If we actually share this news, even though we believe it's good, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. We fear if we share it, we're going to get rejected. And I want to tell you, if you go out and go, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? How's that going to work? Is that going to work good for you? <laughs> no? See, because you know why? And even if you didn't do that, if you just went and said, hey, I got really good news for you. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Most people today are going to go, I don't need to be saved. <laughs> right? Why? Leave me alone. <laughs> So, so that's the first reason we fear rejection. But here's the second reason. I think many of you in this room, you do believe this. You believe in Jesus. He has absolutely changed your life. You are living the gospel as much as you, as good as you can. You're trying to be a great example. And you would love, actually, to share this with your friend or your coworker. But the other, other reason we don't do it is because we don't feel confident. Any of you? Like just, I just don't feel confident. I'm like, I, it scares to death to me to think about actually opening up this conversation because I don't know if I know what to say. <laughs> and see, if you don't feel confident, you're probably not going to share it. And yet, if you don't share it, then there's people in our life who will never hear it. <laughs> and if they actually don't hear it, 
then they, have, they never even get a chance to believe it. And if they never get a chance to believe it, then they never get a chance to put their faith in God and receive this eternal life that you possess. And so this is what we're going to do. And I, I know for me, when I first started, again, I majored in education. I wanted to teach high school and coach football. And then God totally tweaked things in my life. And I went right into youth ministry at 22 years old, fresh out of college. And again, it was, and I don't know why this guy hired me. It was crazy. I had no training whatsoever. I read two books on how to do youth ministry and I just started. So I went in, I'm loving these kids. And here, so here's what was happening. Opportunities arise, right? This is my job now. And I'm supposed to be leading these kids to, to, to Jesus. And I didn't really know how to share the good news very well. And so, but when it's your job, guess what you do? You do it. And so I did it, and I did it, and then I did it, and I did it. And then all of a sudden, I remember, I still remember the day, and I was sharing it with a student in our youth center. And I got done sharing it, and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. Now, whether they receive it or not, that's not up to me. It's not up to you. But what I knew in that moment was, I can actually share this clearly. And I can actually share this in a way that makes sense. We got done, and I'm like, that actually made sense. That was really encouraging to me. And now after four, 30 years of doing this, I feel like I can share it clearly, but, and, but also in a way that makes sense, but also in a way that's compelling. And here's what I know. If you feel like you could talk to your coworker, if you feel like you could talk to your neighbor, your family member, and they actually ask you, like, wait a second, you go to church, right? Yeah, I go to church. Why? Oh, because the music's good, right? Uh, because, uh, because the kids like it. Uh, no, but if they actually asked you, could, you, could you tell me, why are you a Christian? If you knew that you could come back and say it in a clear way that actually made sense and was compelling, I think you'd be much more apt to share it. So that's what we're going to do for the next three weeks, okay? We are going to break this thing down and give you the best opportunity to be able to share it clearly. Now, here's what's cool. Yeah? Okay, here's the other thing. As an education major, here's what I know. And you guys know this too. If you can be learning stuff, right, but as soon as you have to teach it, right, as soon as you have to share it with somebody else, what happens? You learn it. And so here's the other possibility. If you struggle to actually share this good news with somebody else, there could be a possibility that it's not clear yet in here. And if it's not clear in here or in here, then it can be confusing for yourself. There's a possibility that the gospel could actually, the good news could actually be taking more effect in your own heart and your mind than it is today. And I think that if you get trained and equipped in these next three weeks to be able to share it really clearly and concisely in a compelling way, I think you might find your own heart believing the gospel for yourself too. Now, so here's what I want to say. So if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ yet and you're checking out Christianity, these three weeks would be the best three weeks to come because you will know very clearly what the good news is that God says he brings. And by the way, isn't it cool that God actually brings good news? <laughs> He doesn't come out and go, bad news. He comes out and says, I got good news. I got good news. All right? So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this thing. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, 
We worship you because you are the bearer of good news. And Lord, this world needs good news. Every one of us, personally, we need good news. So God, I'm asking, you're the one who's clarified, you're the one who's revealed to us what this good news is. And I'm asking for grace today that your word would be powerful and effective and clear today. And may we know it deeply in our hearts. And I ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Pull out your programs. By the way, again, if you're not grabbing a program anymore because you're used to not grabbing it, we are gonna have notes in here. And I would tell you, especially in these three weeks, you're gonna wanna have pencil so you can actually fill these blanks in because basically what we're going to give you each week is like a tool that you can put in your tool belt so that if a situation arises, you'll be able to go, oh, I have exactly what I need. I have exactly what I need. Okay? So make sure you take some good notes on this. So there are basically four things that, that we're going to share. And if you'll open up your program on the left-hand side, you'll see that. And we're trying to, to, to make this concise. The first one is this. Number one, when you're going to share the good news with somebody, number one is there's a possibility. There's a possibility. See, we like possibilities, right? Because that means, when you hear the word possibility, that means there's something more than what you have. There's something better than what you already possess. And in the blank underneath that, the possibility is the presence of God is possible. The presence of God is possible. Now, that's what I'm going to share with you today. That's today's message, okay? It's just the first step in this. That there's a possibility, and that possibility is the presence of God can be with you. Okay? But after a possibility, you have to share that there's a problem. Because if the presence of God can actually be with me, why am I not experiencing that? Well, because there's a problem. And that's under the blank under that is separation from God is a problem. And Derek actually will be hitting that next week. And then the third one is that there's a promise. There's a possibility of actually living life with God. But there's a problem. It's being separated from God. But there's a promise and the promise is reconciliation with God is promised. And I love that one. I, I kind of wish I was doing that message. <laughs> but you guys will get that next week as well. It's, and God actually says, literally, even though you're apart from me, I can forgive. You can, get, you can receive two things, forgiveness of your sin, and you can receive my spirit. And he calls it a promise. He goes, I promise to do that for you. So cool. So there's a possibility. There's a problem. There's a promise, and then the last thing that you have to know is there's a pathway. There is a pathway, and that is faith in Christ is the pathway. So in these next three weeks, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you today the possibility, the beginning of engaging a person in a conversation about how can you actually receive this good news of God. Derek next week will actually hit the problem and the promise, and then Mike on uh, two weeks from now will be talking to us about the pathway. All right? So, just a second. I need some water. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is this. How many of you have friends, you have coworkers, you have family members, you love them, you know, you love Jesus, but you're really struggling to begin a spiritual conversation with? How many of you struggle to just begin a spiritual conversation? You're like, okay, man, we have talked about the weather and the sports and our jobs forever. How do I actually get it to something that really matters? When I was in seminary, working on my master's, they gave us an assignment. And this was fun. We had to go knock on 20 doors and talk to people about Jesus. Wouldn't you love that assignment? To knock on people's doors, cold cock them and go, hey. But here's what was cool. 
they gave us three questions that we were supposed to ask people. I'm going to give you guys these three questions. Man, write these down. It was fascinating. I knock on the first door, and, oh, and here's the other thing you do. Anytime you're actually going to talk to somebody about spiritual stuff, about Jesus, be honest, okay? Be honest. So if you're actually going to talk to somebody about Christ and you're feeling super scared about doing it, you know what you should say? What should you say? I'm super scared about doing this. I'm serious, man. Because if you're actually honest, that person's wall will go, oh, you're scared? Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Almost every time their wall will come down. So I just knocked on doors and I said, hey, I'm a student and I'm working on my master's and I have this assignment, so I have three questions. And everybody's like, oh, okay, sure. Here's the first question. What's your worldview? What's your worldview? Now, if people don't know what a worldview, a worldview is what's your understanding of the meaning of this world, the meaning of life. What do you actually believe this is all about? Okay, that's what you're asking. So if you say, hey, what's your worldview? And people go, well, what's a worldview? You just say, what's your understanding of what the whole of what life is all about? Why are we here? That whole thing. Just tell them, what's your worldview? Here's what's interesting, you guys. Everybody has one. Everybody has one. So, so you don't go in and you say, let me tell you about Jesus. So you go in and you ask them a question. What's your worldview? Here's the second question. And then you ask them, what's the biggest problem in the world? What's the biggest problem in the world? I can tell you right now, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> of what about the biggest problem is in this world. What's your worldview? What's the biggest problem in the world? And here's the third question. And then you ask them, how does your worldview solve that problem? How does your worldview solve that problem? And I want to tell you, man, it's fascinating. Half the everybody could answer the first one. Well, here's what I think life's all about. Everybody could tell me the problem. But when their worldview had to solve the problem, like half the people were like, I don't know. And the other half people came up with a reason. And here's what I want to tell you. This is so key. You actually must sincerely want to know what their worldview is. Okay? In other words, don't make this an assignment. Mine was an assignment, and I was nervous a few couple After a couple doors, I'm like, oh, no, this is really actually pretty cool. Because everybody has answers to these questions. But I'm telling you, don't be a person who's going, oh, I can't wait to ask you those three questions because then I'm going to tell you what mine are. And mine are right. Right? No, you actually, the Bible says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. You actually have to ask these questions and get your heart right where you're asking them out of love. I actually really want to know. What do you think this world's all about? What do you think's the greatest problem in this world? How does, you, how does your worldview solve that problem? Because here's what's cool, and it is true. Half the time people said, after they got done, they said, well, what's yours? And see, so now they're asking me for the hope that I have. And what I want to share with you now is I think I actually have some good news to share with people. Now we've engaged in a spiritual conversation, and they actually want to know. All right? So now let's dive in. That's just a good tool that you can have in your belt to have a good conversation, a loving conversation with people. All right? So, there's a possibility. That's what I would love to share with people. And here's a possibility. The presence of God. The presence of God is actually possible. So here's what's crazy to me. 
The gospel, right? Which, which means good news. The gospel means good news. Now, if I was going to ask you, all of you Christians, okay, who are in this room, if I was going to say to you, what's the gospel? How many of you would say, how many, when you hear that, how many, how many of you immediately go, Jesus' death on the cross for my sin and his resurrection to, to victory to give me the Holy Spirit? How many of you would say that's the gospel? All right, six of you? Seriously? <laughs> okay, do you guys know that's the gospel? Is anybody out there today? All right. <laughs> no, seriously, that's the gospel, right? But here's what's interesting. If you've grown up in church at all, that's what you are trained as the gospel. And it is. But here's what's crazy. Jesus proclaimed the gospel for three years. Jesus proclaimed good news. He said, I've got good news. I have good news. I have good news. And I remember years ago, I'm like, wait a second. How can Jesus share the good news? He hasn't died and rose again yet. So then I'm like, well, what's he sharing? <laughs> what's he actually proclaiming? Apparently, there's really good news that's actually before his death and his resurrection. And that's what we need to understand. Here it is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Chapter 1, right? Very at the very beginning. Jesus says this. A time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' message that was good news is that the kingdom of God is here. Now, I just got to ask you a question. If you sat across the coffee, in a, in a coffee shop with one of your friends and go, hey man, I've got really good news. The kingdom of God is here. Right? Yeah, you're all chuckling because you know your friend will be going, and so what? What does that even mean? See, we have to understand, and this is super important, in 2018, we have to figure out how to share this good news in a way that makes sense to people. So the first thing you have to understand is what's the kingdom? Now, why, what's wrong with sharing with people who don't understand about God or about Jesus Christ the kingdom of God? Here, here's the first problem, is that we don't have a kingdom. We don't live in a kingdom. See, when Jesus shared the kingdom of God, they lived in the Roman Empire, there were kingdoms and there were kings, and so it made sense to them. Now, we have the United Kingdom and royal marriages, right? But the first issue we have to deal with in our culture is that nobody lives in a kingdom. Here's a second problem. The problem with the word kingdom is as soon as you hear that, I think, it's what happens to me, as soon as you hear the word kingdom, you think place. How many of you think place? Okay, I have always, for years, I thought the kingdom of God is a place. But I want to tell you, then the Bible's really confusing. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom all the time, if you think it's a place, you're like, I don't get what he's talking about. Now, here's what's interesting. It's not a place. It is, but, the, but here's what's interesting. So Swaziland, right? Our, our, our uh, partnership that we have with Swaziland. In fact, if you, have, if you support kids, get out in the lobby today and you can actually get ready to, to, to give our team some cool things to give to your kids. But Swaziland today is actually one of the few kingdoms that's actually still left on the planet. But here's what's crazy. Last month, the king declared that it's no longer called Swaziland. Swaziland is now called Eswatini. Now, now think about that. Who can just go, yeah, you know what? I don't want this country to be called that anymore. 
I'm going to change the name of a country and actually have the power and authority to do that. Who can do that? The king. See, he actually is a king. And so here's what kingdom means. It doesn't mean a place. It means he has the authority. He has the rule so that his will, his desire to even change the name of a country gets done. That's what kingdom means. So in your program, here's what it is. The definition. The kingdom of God is the rule of God resulting in the way of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God resulting in the way of God. So every time you open up the Bible and you see Jesus saying, I've got really good news. He's going, the kingdom of God is here. What he's saying is, the rule and the authority of God is actually present so that his ways can actually be done. That's what the kingdom is. Now, by the way, I am not saying that when you sit across with your friend, this is what you do, okay? You don't go and explain to them all the things about the kingdom, but you must understand what is the kingdom of God. It's the authority of the king saying we're doing whatever he wants to do so that his will is actually done. So here's the question. Why is that good news? Why is it good news that the kingdom of God is here? Because that's what Jesus Christ said for three years. So if you look at your blanks, I'm going to give you all three of them, and then I'm just going to actually unpack them relatively quickly so that you guys can grasp this, okay? Why is this good news? The first one is the good news is that you can experience God, okay? That's your first blank. The good news is you can ex actually experience God. The second blank, it's good news because God's will is actually done. God's will is done. And here's your last blank. The good news is God's way is good pleasing, and perfect. So here's the good news that Jesus is saying, even before he ever died on the, on the cross and rose again. The good news is God can be experienced. That means God's will is done. And God's will is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. So what Jesus is saying is, all of you hurting, all of you struggling, all of you searching, all of you wondering, what is this all about? All of you experiencing the pain that's in the news day after day after day. Jesus came and comes and says, you can have the good news of peace. You can actually have God's will done in your life. And God's will is actually good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. For me, you guys, what that means is everything that every human being is longing for, God is. And the good news is, you can now experience that in your own life. All right? So now let me unpack this just a little bit. Now this, again, this is for you to have a little bit deeper understanding. The good news is we can experience God. And what does that mean? When Jesus says the kingdom is here, what he's saying is the king has arrived. Right? The kingdom's here because Jesus is here. Think about this for a moment. The very concept of kingdom is meaningless apart from the person of the king. If there's no king, if he's not actually present, there's no, there's no rule, there's no authority. So what Jesus was saying is, you guys, the kingdom of God is here because 
I'm here. Now in Matthew 12, 28, he actually had just um, expelled demons from a person. And the, and the religious leaders were like, they so didn't believe that he was the son of God. They're like, you're doing that by the name of Satan. And he's like, wait a second, no, I'm not. And here's what he says. If it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He goes, if by the spirit of God, if I have authority, if the kingdom of God, the authority of God, and I can actually cast out demons, then what's he saying? Then the king is here. And you guys, what Jesus did, the reason he could say the kingdom is here, the king is here, is because he had authority over everything. He had authority over nature. He had authority over the demonic world. He had authority over every disease and illness. And then when the king showed up, what was he? He was this beautiful person who loved everybody. Again, the religious people were like, what are you doing hanging out with those sinners? What are you hanging out with that vagabond? Jesus is like, I love everyone. And then they couldn't find anything wrong with him. When they wanted to nail him to the cross, they're like, can we just make up something? Because this guy doesn't do anything wrong. See, Jesus had authority to live a life. And when he showed up, they knew that the king was here and they experienced him. They experienced him. And when they did, he was beautiful. So I'm not going to go through the whole verse, but if you look at the verse in your program, 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to go right to verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, we proclaim to you, this is John. John was one of the disciples that lived with Jesus. And he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, what Jesus was saying, you guys, I saw him. I experienced him. I heard him. I felt him. But now Jesus is dead and he's risen again. And what's John still saying? He goes, I still experience him. My fellowship is with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. Here's the good news, you guys, that we have for every person. You can actually experience God. I, I'm just, and I want to tell you, man, for 14 years here, this is what I've been trying to say. For 14 years, I've just been saying, you know what? Going to church can be so laborious and it can be so boring and it can be so disappointing right? Especially if I'm no good. It's just like, it's just not fun. If the music's not good, I'm t that doesn't change anything. But when you experience God, everything changes. And what he's saying is, and you can experience him. That's the good news. That's the good news. That next verse, Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The kingdom is here. Why? Because Jesus is here. He showed up on earth and he's like, oh my gosh, he has authority and his authority is beautiful and he loves. And now when Jesus shows up and the kingdom of God is here because Jesus is here and where is he? Where is he? He's in you. That's the kingdom of God. That's the rule of God. The authority of God actually comes in the presence of Jesus through his spirit right inside your being. Man, that's good news. I can just tell you, you can experience God.
okay? But here's the second thing. When the king shows up, your second blank is God's will is done. See, because when he comes, he's actually the king. And if the king shows up, he can go, we're not calling the Swaziland anymore. We're calling East Swatini. Okay, all right, let's go with that one. See, when Jesus Christ actually shows up and comes in your heart, you receive him as Lord, as king, as the one who calls the shot. And so, but, and, and, and I got to tell you, this is where most people go, yeah, I don't know if I want that Jesus guy in my life. <laughs> because if you actually let him into your life, you know what's going to happen? His will is going to be done. His will is going to be done because he's the king. Now, look, but look at this. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. You guys all know this. This is why it's fun to actually share this. Most people know this Lord's Prayer. What's it say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your authority, your rule, your way come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys, so look at this verse. What's heaven? This is so fun to share this with people. What's heaven? Heaven is where God is. And heaven is where God's will is done. Your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me just ask you a question. How many of you, how many people want to go to heaven? Okay, not, not just you. Let me know, okay, I know y'all, you want to go to heaven. How many people do you know who want to go to heaven? Everybody. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Why? Because they're thinking, oh my gosh, it won't be like this. Once we get to heaven, right, it's going to be nothing but peace and nothing but joy and nothing but love and there won't be any more pain and there won't be any more sorrow. Look at this. You know why that's going to be heaven? Because heaven is where God's will is done. And see, so now you can share with people, I got good news for you. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience the peace and the love and the joy and the freedom. If you let Jesus Christ into your life now, guess what happens? He comes in and his will is done, just like what you're waiting for in heaven. Quit waiting for heaven. Let his will be done in your life now. That's what happens when you bring the king. And then you get to the third point and you can say, and you know why that's exciting to let his will into your life? Because his will is good and pleasing and perfect. That's the verse, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And what's his will? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Come on, guys. This is why, I, this is why we have good news. We actually have great news. And I want to tell you, for all of you, you need to figure out in your own personal experience, what can you share that's good? What has been good and pleasing and perfect as you've seen God's will be done in your life? Now, I just shared this with a guy a couple weeks ago, and we were sitting outside, and it was like today. Is this still nice out? Okay, so it was one of those days. It was absolutely beautiful. And so I just looked at him, and I said, look at this, man. Look what we're experiencing. And then I just said, isn't this amazing that the God who created this natural beauty, we call them the laws of nature, and you know what's crazy? These laws of nature have a symbiotic relationship, right? Like everything seems to work together beautifully. We need the sun. We need the rain. We need the leaves to put off this. Everything in nature works together with these laws and creates this unbelievable, beautiful, symbiotic relationship that does what? It brings you great pleasure, and it's productive, and it's beautiful, 
We even have societal laws. Why do we have societal laws? Because they're trying to help people live with each other. (laughs) Symbiotic relationship that actually ends with the hope of what? Why do we have laws? Because we hope that there will be peace and freedom and mutual benefit and productivity. You guys know this, right? There hasn't been a culture ever. Somebody, every time a group of people get together, they go, somebody's got to rule this thing or it's going to be total chaos. We need somebody to put some laws in place so that we can actually work together. You guys, here's the beautiful thing. Just like God created natural laws that bring life and beauty and productivity and pleasure, God has laws. He has his ways. He has his will for us so that we can actually live in freedom. His way is what? His, ultimately, his way is love. And once we figure out God's way of love, then we start to live in peace and harmony and unity, which everybody in our world is actually trying to figure out how to possess. And when you follow God's ways, what happens? There's freedom, and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's enjoyment, and there's fulfillment. This is God. And I want to tell you, that's the good news that Jesus was sharing. He was sharing, you can actually experience God. And when you do, his will will be done. And his will is good and pleasing and perfect. You guys, there is a possibility for you. And there's a possibility for everyone that you know to find this. It's the kingdom of God. It's the rule of a king who's beautiful and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, abounding in faithfulness, who's just and yet merciful, who's kind and all-wise. This is God. And when he comes in as the king, everything he is can be yours. And that's good news, okay? There's a possibility, and the presence of God is possible. That's the first thing that you got to figure out how to share with the people that you know and that you love, all right? So let me just pray for us. Let's ask God to do that for us. Jesus, thank you for the good news that you proclaimed. Thank you for the good news that you lived. That statement, preach the gospel, you did that with your life. You showed love You showed grace. You showed truth. You showed patience. You showed the beauty of the way of God. And Lord, we just thank you for that. But you also shared with us. You proclaimed it. You told people what it is. God, I'm asking for us in this room, would you help us to know at the deepest core of our being the beauty of the good news that you are with us. You are are in us. And wherever you are, there's goodness. Wherever you are, there's goodness. And we just praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, that last thing, let me just, ooh, I almost fell off. Uh, the last thing I want to share with you is, is this. I, I, I was with a buddy years ago, and I was on a cruise. Um, um, and we met these two gals, and they were law- lawyers in Washington, D.C., okay? So we stayed up early night. He and I were both in ministry. We're talking to these two gals. And as we kept going, there's no way they were buying it. They didn't believe in the God and the Jesus thing at all. 
at the very end of our conversation, they looked at us and they said, you know, I will say this. If everybody lived like Jesus, the world would be a much better place. That's the point. That's all this first point is. And you just look it back and you go, exactly. And that's all Jesus was saying. There's a way that if we actually lived like this and laid down our lives for each other, the world would be a beautiful place to live. That's good news. All right. So we also have some more news today. And, and it's, it's an interesting mix of news. Um, kind of sad, and yet it's super exciting. And um, I actually want to bring Dave Elsog up here. Would you guys give it up for Dave Elsog? Um, some of you guys know this, and some of you don't. Um, but Dave, uh, so cool. I was reminiscing it again this morning. Um, I actually, we found Dave on this, uh, <laughs> like a, a dating site for uh, churches to find employees. <laughs> Who could resist? Uh, no, it's so cool. But, uh, but uh, we were looking for a children's director 12 years ago. And I still can picture Dave and Carrie sitting in our couch in our living room and uh, us deciding to, make, uh, to have Dave join our staff. And I want to tell you this, man, that was one of the best decisions we ever made. And uh, for 12 years, this guy has faithfully served you <laughs> and your children and you personally. Yeah, unbelievable. And, um, but as I got to know Dave and as he started exposing his heart, what I found is Dave's heart beats super strong for something even more, <laughs> something different, a possibility. And, and it beats in me too. And that's church planning. And so um, for a little over a year now, we've been scheming. Dave and I are actually part of an organization called Loving Utah. And Loving Utah is actually an organization that helps people who move here or start churches to, to just be supported. I'm going to let Dave speak into that in just a second. But I want to tell you, as a guy who moved out here from Michigan, and when I moved out here, there was nobody doing anything. There wasn't anybody doing church planning. I, knew, I was the only one I even knew who was planning at that time. We just had a Loving Utah meeting, you guys. When we did, we'll have 65 to 80 people showing up now to these Loving Utah meetings. There is really, really something cool going on. Um, but we've had all these dreams, but all of us are so busy with our jobs, none of us could actually make our dreams reality. And so we started scheming and planning and raising money. And I am really excited to tell you that, well, I'm not excited to tell you Dave's leaving our staff, but I'm excited to tell you the reason he's leaving is because he's going to be going full time into loving Utah to help every church that starts in the state of Utah succeed and thrive. And we are really, really excited about that. So, all right. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. And it has been a real privilege to be here on staff with Dave and, and the rest of the team. And, and man, it's been just a privilege and a great adventure uh, with God. Yeah. Is that a tagline? You should try that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but there is a huge need for church plants here in Utah. And I just want you to consider this. Think about this. I know that when you live in Utah for a long time, you just kind of get used to the way things are. And the way things are is not acceptable to me, and I don't think it's acceptable to God. I live in South Jordan, Utah. Any South Jordanites out there? One. One? Gosh. <laughs> All right. The rest come to the early service. They get up early. Um, in South Jordan, think about this. The population is 70,000. There are five pretty new church plants there with about a total of 500 people worshiping there. That's a fraction of a percent of the population. 
Think about that. And around 70,000, there's another 200,000 that live around there. If you were to go to any other metro area in America, there would be hundreds of gospel-centered churches. And some of them would be thousands and tens of thousands in attendance. To me, that's not acceptable. And so for, I, we have been building a great team. We have a great team of people, pastors and leaders and business people around us that uh, are dreaming about how we can change that culture. But we have also identified some things that are really barriers for church plants. First thing, a barrier for church plants is so many of church planters come here from somewhere else. And so they come here and they're on, they feel like they're on their own. Um, they do not feel like they can be part of a community. And so one of the things that we do in Loving Utah is we immediately, when we identify somebody that's moving in, because sometimes I just get a flyer in my mailbox is, hey, we're starting a new church down the street. Okay, awesome. Um, if we can identify them, we invite them into relationship. And we invite them into mentorship relationship. And the pastors here in Utah are amazing because they open their doors and they're willing to sit down. And people are blown away. People from other states that come here to plant churches are blown away that the pastors in Utah are excited that they're here. That is amazing to me. And so we provide mentorship and coaching and relationship um, to overcome that loneliness and that feeling like we're out on our own. The second barrier is resources. Um, churches, they, church organizations, denominations send church planters here with the same amount of resources as they would to any other state. And what happens is resources run out, uh, run out very fast here. And so we're trying to think about how do we share resources? How do we get more strategic? How do we make more sustainable solutions for churches so that they have places to worship and they have places to grow and have places to reach people? Third barrier, which is pretty normal here is the cultural barrier, that church planters come against cultural barriers where they, they don't understand what it means to reach the people and share the gospel with people of Utah. And so we're trying to help them overcome that. We're creating training uh, materials for church planters and for their teams and, and showing them how, how to do that. And so this is what we're doing with Loving Utah. And um, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says this. He says, pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest field. And so every day, <laughs> I'm on my knees and I'm praying, God, send forth more laborers. People like Dave Nelson. People like the church planners that are all over here, uh, all over Utah. Send laborers into this harvest field, God. And let's see people come to know the true gospel. The gospel that Dave was talking about today. Send forth labors. It's exciting because we are inviting people to come. People are coming. We're inviting some college students to come. So we're doing an internship program this summer with three college students that aren't from Utah. And we're going to teach them everything we know about what it means to do ministry in Utah. So where does that come in for you? Um, can you guys, can anyone here pray? <laughs> All right, let's put that up here. Uh, we've developed a website to invite people to understand more about what Loving Utah is doing, uh, learn about the challenges here in Utah. It's called PrayForUtah.org. And so you can go on there. You can sign up to be one of our prayer partners. You just sign up for the seven days of prayer. 
and you'll receive an email every day for seven days that will let you know a, a, a story about a church planter, some of the challenges that we face, and things that we want you to pray about. So um, I just want to invite you. That's the first step you can be invited into. And then if there's any way that you would want to partner with, uh, with us, um, this is only happening, Dave. It's only happening because some churches and some individuals have really sacrificed and dug deep to make sure that we can make, that I can go full time. Yep. K2 is a big partner. Kensington Church, they believe in us and they believe in this mission. Kensington Church that planted us, they're a big partner in this. And then we also have other churches in Utah that are giving. And some of these churches are small church plants. Little guys under, under 100 people that are sacrificially giving their resources to making Loving Utah happen. So that is exciting to me. And then we have about another dozen individuals who have said, we believe in this vision and we're going to give to this. So I just want to invite you, pray. And if there's any other way, if you want to give, if you want to uh, talk to me in the lobby. And by the way, I'm not leaving K2. <laughs> Everyone, okay. I'm, my wife, Carrie is awesome. She's our stu student ministry director. She's still on staff here. <laughs> Give it up for Carrie. All right. She's going to be mad that I did it, but hey. And, um, and so I'm going to be around. I might be doing some different things on Sundays. I might be going to church plants and other churches and, and talking, but I will be around here. And so when I'm here, anytime in the future, you see me in the lobby, you want to talk, you want to ask questions, um, I would love to talk to you more about having you guys participate in Loving Utah as well. Yeah. Okay. You guys, it really is. And we're saying we believe this as a church. At, at K2, we're putting a, 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 we're a major supporter of making this happen because we want to care not just about what we're doing here. We want to see every church that plant, gets planted in the state of Utah survive and thrive. Okay? So that's what we're doing together as, as a family. All right. So, and uh, before Dave leaves, man, I, I just want to say in front of all of you guys, I'm, I'm not kidding. Having this guy on this staff for 12 years has been unbelievable. There is nobody I know who works harder than this man. This guy sacrifices his time. He, get, he puts out his energy. If there's, if there's anything that needs to be done, if there's an extra special project, I know you're going to be there. Soggy will always be there. If we get a pastor on call and, somebody needs a, a, and someone's in distress, this guy has so much compassion just in his heart. And he'll be the first one to say, man, I'll meet with him. I'll go. That's just his nature. And you'll see it, man. The other thing I love about this guy is the passion in his heart. <laughs> you, you can hardly get him to talk about church playing when he'll start crying. He just cried. You cry all the time. So he, but, but, it's, but it's his heart and his passion that bleeds for people to really know the good news. And so, man, I, I just want to say, dude, I am so grateful. that We're not done either, but we've had 12 great years and we got a lot more to see God do. But there's a lot of more other people who are grateful. So I just want y'all watch this just real quick. <clears throat> Hey Dave, I just want to say thanks for just uh, giving us the opportunity to really see such an amazing heart of compassion uh, that you have for so many people and just for the way you've poured your life out here at K2. We love you, man. Hey Soggy, I'm so excited for you for this next step in your life, just the uh, passion you have for the state of Utah and the fact that uh, you want to love the state well. I just wish you the best as you march into loving Utah and as somebody who's been serving in AC for yeah, most of the last year. I just appreciate how much you love and care for all those kids there. And, uh, yeah, I miss you as the mad professor. So best wishes and everything. Love you, man. 
Dave, I just want to thank you for your love and uh, your compassion for people in Utah. Thank you. Dave, thank you for being a true lover of people person. Your genuine expression of Christ's love has really induced in my own life a, well, first, a greater faith in Christ in general, and consequently actually have found that it makes me love people, which is really weird, honestly. It's not something I can articulate and certainly won't be able to explain uh, here, but all I can say is that it's really important, something that I really struggled with, and by just getting to know you, seeing you in action, and really more than the words you said or the things you did, uh, the feeling you get by being around you is just genuine and it really made it, it's been a breakthrough for me. So thank you for being Christ's love and showing him how to do it. And that's it. Hi, this is Pastor Shane from Mountain View Fellowship, and I just want to take a second and thank you for both supporting and commissioning Dave and his new role in Loving Utah. At Mountain View Fellowship, we're really excited about what God is going to continue to do in the church planting movement as a result of Dave's efforts and Loving Utah's efforts. So thank you very much. We're looking forward to an awesome future. Soggy, you are the very first person I ever met at K2. I felt so loved by you. Thanks for believing in me. Soggy, you're an amazingly humble and kind leader, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for being a great role model of how introverts can love just as much as anybody else. Hey, Captain Soggy Bottoms. Good to see you. Hey, I just wanted to reach out and say thanks for all that you do for our kids, all that you do for me. Um, do you know what? You're the only guy I know that can get grown adults to dress up in costumes each week. Pretty good talent, I think. Peace! Hey Dave, just wanted to say thank you for being the awesome man of God that you are. And uh, thank you for being an amazing influence in my life. My name is Ross Anderson from Alpine Church, and I've worked together with Dave Elsog for several years at Loving Utah. I can't tell you how excited I am that he's now able to go full-time because he's got some great ideas, and he's really good at pulling people together around a common cause. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God in Utah is going to look very different as a result of Dave's work with Loving Utah in the years to come. Hey, Dad, I love you so much, and thank you for just teaching me how to live a life dedicated to Jesus. And I'm so honored and blessed that I got to grow up watching you in ministry, and I'm so excited to see what you do next. Love you, Dad.
completely time and so break. Thing see the coming and we and we'll save a first and save. Essential here to affirm the whole best in so let's say thank for saying yes who said yes and thank you for we We know an amazing know that you have gifts for your